Good morning, church. Grace and peace to you from the Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome to this time of worship at Faith Community United Methodist Church. It's good to be with you this morning. I'd invite you to find the attendance pads that are in each of the pews and fill those out, pass those to those worshiping with you so we have a record of your presence here and worship with us this morning. Today is the last day to get your poinsettia orders in. That order form is in your bulletin. Uh, if you wanted to order some poinsettias for uh, decorating the sanctuary here and then taking home with you following the Christmas Eve service, uh, make sure that you get that order form in today. This is the last day for that. This is Coins for Missions Sunday. The blue buckets are out in the narthex. Uh, if you have some coins on you and you forgot to drop them in the buckets on your way in, uh, then I'd ask you to drop them in the blue buckets on your way out. Those uh, coins that we collect the second Sunday of each month go to support a number of mission projects here that, that the church supports. So thank you for uh, collecting your coins and bringing them in for Coins for Missions Sunday. Uh, I'm going to ask Becky Coltis to come up. She has a couple of announcements uh, in relation to Staff Parish. But, and as she's coming, I just want to remind you that this afternoon is the Christmas concert here in the sanctuary at 3 o'clock. You're all invited to that. And then at 5 o'clock, our family uh, Christmas celebration as a church together uh, down the hallway in the fellowship hall. Everybody's invited to that. And just a reminder, one of the things we're doing at the Christmas party this evening is putting together care packages for our shut-ins. And if you would uh, just bring, some, bring along some things to add to those care packages, there are some suggestions in the bulletin like lotions, tissues, uh, stationery, pens, things like that, things that our shut-ins might enjoy. Bring those with you. We'll be putting together care packages at the Christmas party this evening. Becky? This morning is a bittersweet time for us. For the last few months, we have been very blessed to have Bob Culliner with us directing our choir. He has stepped in and enabled us to resume having our choir, and so we wish him Godspeed as he returns to Emmanuel. We thank them for letting him be a missionary to us during these months. And um, he will always have a very special place in our heart and also always be welcome here. So please join me in thanking Bob. And we are also very pleased and blessed to have Glenn Shaw stepping in once again. Uh, he has done this so many times, and we are very grateful that Glenn has graciously agreed to continue and to uh, help us build on uh, what has already started at this point. So again, uh, let's just recognize Glenn and thank him for his service. And on that same note, this Tuesday, we have finally an opportunity to um, welcome Karen Beyer back with her granddaughter, hopefully, at least that's what she's telling us, and to recognize her for her many years of service here as treasurer at Faith Community. This will be from 1 to 2, probably in the office area, and just some light refreshments, but a chance to catch up on her travels and all that she's been doing, and to thank her and wish her well. So I invite you to come to that. Now I'm going to put on another hat or two. Um, last Sunday we were able to have our blue Christmas service, as we have since 2008. And um, as you've come in, you probably have seen some of the literature on the table across from the parlor door. So we encourage you to look at that information. Uh, all of us have friends, neighbors, family members that might benefit from some of that uh, literature and the care notes. So please 
encourage you to take some time and please share those with those who are in need. And finally, just very informally, some of us have decided it would be fun to carol in our neighborhood. So next Sunday, the 19th, at 4 o'clock, there are some of us who are going to gather here at the church and just go around the condo area here. There are several members of our church who are in that area who can't come out. So um, if you have any questions, feel free to ask later. But uh, thank you all. Thank you, Becky. Let us now be in a spirit of worship as the choir presents the music of the introits. able, would you please stand for the call to worship? Rejoice, give thanks, call on God's name. The Holy One is in our midst. How good it is to come home to God's house. How good it is to gather in God's presence. Sing aloud, exalt with all your heart. The Sovereign One has done glorious things. We offer up our anxieties, seeking God's peace. We face our plenty, eager to share. Shout your praises. Express your joy. The God of our salvation welcomes us. God's love is renewing us in these moments. God's strength is becoming our song. And our opening hymn this morning is Away in a Manger, which is number 217 in your hymnal.
You may be seated. And if you would, join me in our opening prayer as printed in our bulletin. Let us pray. God of life and love, whose good news often comes in strange packages, open our eyes and ears to see and hear you. Open our hearts to embrace one another in our caring. Help us share generously and to receive graciously the gifts we have received from your hand. Guide us to be honest, peaceful, joyous relationships, that your will may be done among us. Amen. In one of the most popular Bible verses, John 3.16 tells us, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. In one of his letters, John also tells us, God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. We love because he first loved us. <clears throat> so much of what this world calls love is fickle and full of self-interest. That is not true love. True love is the kind shown by God in the birth of Jesus, coming into this world for our salvation. With hearts overflowing at the announcement of Christ's birth, we light the candle of love. Let us pray. God of love, we thank you for the love you revealed in the stable of Bethlehem and the love you fulfilled on the cross of Calvary. May our love for one another be a reflection of your love for us. Amen. Our prayer hymn this morning is What Child Is This?, which is on the screen or number 219 in your hymnal.
Let us pray. Oh, gracious God, what love is this that you would step down out of heaven, come here into this world, this world full of sin and strife, this world filled with war and division and hurt and pain, and you would come into this world, into this life, to be like us so that you could save us. Not because any one of us deserves that, not because any one of us loved you first. We didn't even know you. We had turned from you before we were even aware, but you continued to love us. You have never given up on us. You can continue to, to come after us to show us your great love. Thank you, Lord, for that amazing sacrifice that, that we can't even begin to understand. Sacrificing yourself for, for love of us, for our salvation. Lord, all we can do is say thank you and to just offer ourselves back to you in thanksgiving for, for all that you've done and for who you are. You are our Lord and our God, our Creator and our Redeemer. Lord, we offer you our worship and our praise, and we bring before you our concerns for loved ones because we know, Lord, that you are the one who can provide and will provide for all of our needs. And so we lift up to you now those who are struggling and suffering and asking for a special measure of your grace and your mercy upon them now, Lord, as we think of them and lift them to you in this time of silent prayer. Lord, we know you have heard our prayers. We know that you hear the cry of all of our hearts every time we cry out to you, Lord, you are there to hear and to receive. Thank you for receiving us once again. Thank you for drawing us back into your glorious presence once again. Thank you for forgiving us and redeeming us once again, Lord. We pray that as your Holy Spirit falls upon us, that you will continue to fill us so that we might be a blessing to one another, so that we might be a blessing to this community around us, so that all might know the God of love. We pray this in Jesus' name as we offer to you now the prayer that he teaches us to pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. As the ushers come to wait upon us now, let us continue to offer ourselves to God in worship through the giving of our tithes and our offerings.
Would you join me in the prayer of dedication as printed in our bulletin? We rejoice, O God of peace, in the privilege of giving without fear. You come to us daily with blessings too numerous to count. You are the Holy One whose presence reveals our anxieties, fears our hunger, and stirs our compassion. Through our offerings, we express our gratitude. As we give of ourselves, we respond to your call to bear fruit and to make your name known among the nations. Thank you for accepting all we offer. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you, choir. It is our tradition to stand with the reading of the gospel, if you are able. And the gospel lesson this morning comes from the book of Luke, third chapter, 17 through 18. John said to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruits worthy of repentance. Do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our ancestor. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. Even now, the axe is lying at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. 
And the crowds asked him, What then should we do? In reply, he said to them, Whoever has two coats must share one with whom has none, and whoever has food must do likewise. Even tax collectors came to be baptized, and they asked him, Teacher, what should we do? He said to them, Collect no more than the amount prescribed for you. Soldiers also asked him, And we, what should we do? He said to them, Do not extort money from anyone by threats or false accusation, and be satisfied with your wages. As the people were filled with expectation and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Messiah, John answered all of them by saying, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I is coming. I am not worthy to untie the throngs of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his thrashing floor and to gather the wheat into his granary. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. So, with many other exhortations, he exclaimed the good news to the people. The word of God to the people of God. Thanks Thanks be to God. Be seated. As the Grinch took the tree, as he started to shove, he he heard a small sound like the coo of a dove. He turned around fast and he saw a small who, little Cindy Lou who, who was no more than two. She stared at the Grinch and said, Sandy Claus, why? Why are you taking our Christmas tree? Why? But you know... That old Grinch was so smart and so slick, he thought up a lie and he thought it up. Hey, my sweet little tot, the fake Sandy Claus lied. There's a light on this tree that, that won't light on one side. So I'm taking it home to my workshop, my dear. I'll fix it up there, then I'll bring it back here. And his fib fooled the child. Then he patted her head and he got her a drink and he sent her to bed. And when Cindy Lou Who was in bed with her cup, he crumped to the chimney and stuffed the tree up. Then he went up the chimney himself, the old liar, and the last thing he took was a log for their fire. On their walls he left nothing but and some wire. And the one speck of food that he left in the house was a crumb that was even too small for a mouse. As the Grinch took the tree, as he started to shove, he... That Grinch is a dastardly devil, isn't he? You know, I, I, I think that if the people to whom John the Baptist were, was preaching were all like the Grinch, then I think that John's opening words would become a little easier to understand. You brood of vipers, 
he proclaims. I always look forward to a scripture passage that allows me to yell from the pulpit, you brood of vipers! That's fun. But that, that, that's a pretty harsh declaration, isn't it? Sinners, yes. We, we will acknowledge that we are all sinners, although we're also quick to point out that our sin isn't quite as bad as many of those other sinners out there. But vipers? Surely we are not vipers. The Grinch, he is a viper. The, the, the Grinch is the very definition of a viper. One, one scene in that animated special even shows the Grinch sliver, slithering around on his belly as he is stealing Christmas from the Who's. If you picture a whole bunch of sneaking, slithering, hateful, lying Grinches amusing themselves by ruining the world for everyone else, well, then it makes perfect sense for John the Baptist or, or anyone else who cares about righteousness and common decency to shout at them, you brood of vipers. But that's not actually who John the Baptist was preaching at. Look at the very beginning of our reading. John said to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him, the ones who came voluntarily of their own free will and religious conscience to be baptized. This, this isn't the scribes and Pharisees. This, this isn't the priests and Sadducees. This isn't the temple authorities or religious leaders who made life difficult for the common people and who would later set themselves in opposition to Jesus. John says this to people, good-hearted, well-meaning people, who were coming to him to be baptized. People to whom the Spirit of God was speaking. People who were being led on a spiritual quest, who were truly seeking after God. People who wanted to do the right thing, and they, they knew that they needed forgiveness, and, and they were humble enough, humble enough to come to this strange camel-hair-wearing, locust-eating preacher in the wilderness to be baptized in the Jordan River. To these earnest and sincere souls, John calls out, you brood of vipers who warned you to flee from the wrath to come. I mean, he might as well be speaking to you and to me, the good, church-going, God-fearing faithful. And he doesn't hold back on us, does he? John warned the people back then, do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our ancestor. Likewise, to us, he warns, do not begin to say, but I'm a Christian. I go to church. I'm in Sunday school every week. Even now, the axe is lying at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. In other words, the time of judgment is coming and you will not receive a passing grade just because you call yourself a Christian or because you have your name on the membership roll. Lead a life worthy of the calling God has placed upon you or you will be pruned from the tree, cut off from fellowship with God. That doesn't sound like a very Christmassy message, I know. Perhaps it's not. But it is an Advent message. It is very much an Advent message. The, the word Advent means coming. When we talk about the Advent of something, we're talking about it's coming into being. It's, it's coming into reality for us. 
The season of Advent is about the coming of Christ into the world. It's about preparing for the coming of the Lord. And that's exactly what John the Baptist was all about. He was the forerunner of Christ, sent as a messenger of God to prepare the way of the Lord. One does not prepare the way of the Lord by denying why the Lord is coming in the first place. Rather, one prepares the way of the Lord by announcing our problem, by admitting our desperate situation. We would not need a Savior if we were not bound for destruction, if we didn't have something that we needed to be saved from. So the first step in preparing the way of the Lord, in other words, the first business of Advent, is admitting what a deplorable condition we are in. I truly believe that this is why so many people rejected Jesus back then. And I believe it is why so many continue to reject him today. Because we don't want to confess how degenerate we truly are. In John chapter 3, Jesus said, This is the judgment that the light has come into the world, and people love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For all who do evil hate the light and do not come to the light so that their deeds may not be exposed. When a bright light shines in a room, it shows all of the dirt and grime, all of the dust, all of the cobwebs, every imperfection shows up in the right light. So if you have a really dirty house, you have two choices. You can either clean the house really well, or you can turn out all the lights and close all the drapes. If you can keep it dark enough in there, nobody's going to notice how dirty the place is. Jesus says that our lives are like that. And the sad fact is that most people choose to turn off the lights and pull the drapes rather than clean the house. I'm speaking metaphorically, of course. I'm not judging you for having dust in your house. Lord knows there's enough dog hair in mine. But if your soul is dirty, if your life is unclean, if your mind is filthy, if your deeds are impure, and you would rather lie about it and hide it and make excuses for it rather than fix it, then you have already condemned yourself. This is the judgment that the light has come into the world and people love darkness rather than light. What John the Baptist was trying to do, he was beginning to shine a light into the darkness of this world. He was trying to reveal how badly we need cleansing. That's what his baptism was all about. A a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. a, A washing away of unrighteousness so that people could come out of the darkness and begin to live in the light of God. But just going through the motions of baptism wasn't enough. Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? John asked. Bear fruits worthy of repentance. Bear fruits worthy of repentance. Do things that show that you are truly striving to live in the light. These crowds who were coming to John the Baptist, they were sincere in their quest to be faithful. You, you know that they were sincere because of how they respond to his harsh words. What then should we do, they ask? 
They could very easily have said, what does he know? Eating locusts, wearing camel's hair, living in the desert, calling us vipers? Why should we listen to a thing he has to say? That's basically how most people today respond when you confront them with the reality of their sin. Who are you to judge me? What gives you the right to challenge me? Who do you think you are? I'm doing the best I can. I I think I'm doing just fine. I'm certainly doing better than most people out there. I'm not perfect, but then again, who is? Leave me alone. Let me be. That's how we usually respond to to prophets that speak like John the Baptist. We make excuses. we, We point the finger at others. Anything to take the light off of ourselves. That's not how the crowds who were coming to John the Baptist responded. What then should we do? They knew that John was onto something. They knew that he was shining a light on them. And instead of running back to the darkness for cover, they asked him for some more light. Give us some instructions. Show us the way. The first instruction he gives, whoever has two coats must share with anyone who has none, and whoever has food must do likewise. In other words, be charitable with whatever you have. Life is not about stockpiling goodies for yourself. It's about watching out for and taking care of one another. If you have more than you absolutely need and someone else is without, then it is incumbent upon you to give whatever you can. It seems like pretty straightforward instructions, but how, mu- how many of us actually go all the way with it? As we get into these winter months, especially as we celebrate the holidays, we're, we're mindful of those who are without. We collected money and food for our Thanksgiving challenge, provide Thanksgiving meals for those in need. We, we purchased gifts for the children at St. Paul's so that they could give Christmas gifts to their families. Those are good things. I I commend you on that. But how many of us still have way more than we actually need while others are still going without? How many of us have more than one coat for ourselves in our closet? Do you give away as many coats to others as you have for yourself? Do you give as much food as you have left in your pantry at the end of the week? That's really what John is calling for here. Not just to be generous by giving a little bit extra at the holidays, but to give all that we possibly can until everybody has enough. Some tax collectors came to John and asked him what they should do. Collect no more than the amount prescribed for you, he told them. Seems pretty simple, right? Don't be a cheat. But that's how the tax collectors made their living. They, they collected however much they had to collect for the state, and then they collected some more on top of it to keep it for themselves. To collect only the amount prescribed for them meant to accept the bare minimum salary. There's nothing wrong with being a tax collector. John doesn't tell them, stop collecting taxes. He simply tells them, do it in a way that shows absolute integrity and concern for others and a complete lack of self-serving interest. Do you do your job in a way that shows absolute integrity 
and concern for others, and a complete lack of self-serving interest? Do you do all that you can for others for the least that you can get out of it for yourself? These guidelines John gives aren't quite as easy as they at first sound. Then some soldiers asked him, what should we do? Again, John does not tell them, quit the army immediately, lay down your arms and pick up your plowshares. Simply do not exhort money from anyone by threats or false accusations and be satisfied with your wages. It's basically the same advice that he gave to the tax collectors. Using their power and authority to exhort money was how soldiers padded their wages. It's how they provided a nice cushion for their families. They almost saw it as their right. But that doesn't make it right, as John points out. Be satisfied with what you have coming to you honestly for honest work. Don't try to place yourself above anyone else. Don't try to benefit at the the expense of anyone else. Be content with your station in life and help others to enjoy the same as you have been blessed with. These are the instructions that, that John the Baptist gives in preparing for the coming of the Lord. These are his Advent guidelines to live a life of integrity and contentment and generosity. The Grinch exemplified the opposite of all of that. The Grinch was not generous. It's not that he was greedy either, though. He he was not stealing the Who's toys because he wanted those toys for himself. He didn't just want the Who's, he, he just didn't want the Who's to have them. He, he wasn't stealing the Who's decorations because he wanted to decorate his house with them. He just didn't want them to enjoy those decorations. He wasn't going to eat their food. He was just taking it away so that they would have nothing to feast on. He, he was going to waste it all by dumping it all down Mount Crumpet. Perhaps the Grinch here shines a light on our own hearts at times. Most of us are not greedy in the sense that we want everything for ourselves. I just don't want you to have what I don't have. And if I can't have it, then you shouldn't be allowed to enjoy it either. Perhaps sometimes we don't give as much as we can, not not because we want it for ourselves, but because we don't want somebody else to have it. Perhaps they don't deserve it if they haven't earned it like we have. Perhaps they shouldn't be trusted with it when they won't use it as responsibly as we will. The Grinch had no integrity. He he snuck around at night so as not to be discovered. He, He wore a Santa Claus outfit just in case he was seen. And when Cindy Lou Who asked him what he was up to, he quickly thought up a lie. He pretended to be helping in order to keep the shameful things he was doing hidden in the dark. John says in 10, Jesus says in John 10.10, 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. That is what the Grinch is, the thief of John 10.10. 10. And that is what the Grinch in every one of us is. Whenever we lie about what we're really up to. Whenever we try to put a nice face on what we're doing when what we're doing is self-serving. 
wrong. Whenever we distort the truth so, so that we can get away with whatever it is we want to get away with in the moment because it's getting away with what I really want, what really matters. And if you won't understand and you'll try to stop me, then I just need to lie to you about it. And that's your own fault. Anyone ever been subject to tortured logic like that? That's the thief. That's the Grinch. He comes to steal and kill and destroy. He takes away all that is good and honorable because he has no honor within himself. He kills all that is life-giving because he is dead inside. Jesus says the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it in abundance. Jesus came into the world to shine a bright light on the Grinch in each one of us. And when that light shines upon us, we now have a choice. Either shun that light and run back into the darkness or start to clean house. John the Baptist was pointing out the one who would clean that house for us. John preached repentance, a change of heart and life, but that in itself would not save the people. And that in itself will not save us either. We need a Savior. We need one who will fulfill all righteousness for us and within us. This is the one to whom John the Baptist was pointing. The one for whom he was preparing the way. This is the one who we prepare for in this season of Advent. Christ comes shining His light in the darkness of this world. Shining a light on the Grinch in each one of us. The, the sin in each one of us. And when we allow that light to shine, when we don't run away from it or hide from it or deny it, try to shut it out, but when we allow it to truly shine and enlighten our way, then Christ makes His light to shine even within us. And then He, he causes our hearts to grow three sizes because of His perfect love. He cleans house in us. He puts a new and a right spirit within us. That is abundant life. That is the gift that the Christ came to give to each one who would receive it. That is the true gift of Christmas. May we all be prepared for Him to come, bringing that gift to us. Amen. I invite you to stand now as you're able for our closing hymn, which is There's a Song in the Air. It's in the hymnals at number 249 or on the screens.
Please be seated. As you go from this place, as you go about your week, I pray that the light and the love of Christ will be your guiding star this day and in all the days to come. In the name of God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.